Hey, Alan, it's Ray. How you doing now? I'm doing well. How are you? All right, man. Coming at you live from New Orleans this time. I'm traveling. You're back in the Bay Area at home. And uh, in my travels, I've been talking to some people. We've had some big news since our last hot episode on Saturday in the bank industry. People are asking me, is it safe out there? What do you think? Is it safe? Yes, it's safe. It's very safe. So safe you wouldn't believe it. Is it safe? No, it's not safe. It's very dangerous. Be careful. better care of your teeth. You have a quite a cavity here. Is it safe? Look, I tell you, I can't do You think he knows? Of course he knows he's being very stubborn. Oh, oh, please. Please don't. No. No. It's okay. Huh? Is it not remarkable? Simple oil of cloves and how amazing the results. Life can be that simple. Relief, discomfort. Now, which of these I next apply? That decision is in your hands. So, take your time. <laughs> Tell me, is it safe? Wow, Ray, what a question, huh? We have to go to Dustin Hoffman, a marathon man, for the answer. I can tell you right now, it's not safe. Okay, uh, oil clothes is not what we need here. What we needed was yesterday, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell needed to say, hey, pause on interest rates. Did not. Previously on Avoid Crisis, we said you must. Jerome Powell did not. Instead, raised the rates by a quarter point, 25 dips, right? So now what we have is even worse on the mark to marks with regional banks and they're getting slaughtered. Let's just, you know, it's not safe. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts? Look, they're, they're so fixated on inflation that they're at first, I think they were oblivious to the collateral damage. And once that became apparent and we had our first fatality in Silicon Valley bank, then they chose to ignore it. And at this point, they are flat out saying, we're aware of it. Oh, don't worry. It's safe out there. <laughs> and we have a little antidote here, the close FDIC. And so we can take care of it if we, you know, no, we need, we need bigger response. And honestly, I, we did. We called it well before that, that they needed to pause. They need to give the banking industry some thought and some breathing room. 
uh, we need to go back to what we did in 08, which was not allowing shorts. We need to go, we need to do some additional measures to help get these underwater treasuries to not have the impact that they're having on the balance sheet. And uh, they're just not listening to it. They're just saying, to hell be damned, we're, we worry about inflation and unemployment. Someone else's problem is the banking industry. And uh, who, I don't know, who, who's at a high enough level that can oversee each of these sides? Well, I think you're absolutely right on. I mean, we've been talking about this banking crisis. We've been talking about other crises. We have more crises to talk about. But one of the things that we've cautioned our listeners to be thinking about is really listening to the information that they're getting and doing some fact-checking on that. Um, we saw a couple of examples of that. Uh, and I'm going to start with uh, something that happened yesterday, and I'm going to mention something that happened today. So something that happened yesterday was, you know, we had the Federal Reserve meeting and we had assurances coming from Jerome Powell saying, yeah, the banking system's resilient. What did we see in after hours? Uh, we saw another targeted bank, happens to be one coming out of Los Angeles, um, absolutely crushed in the after hours, 60% down. And uh, that's not exactly showing that we have confidence in overall uh, banks. And, uh, you know, you look over the past, uh, what, 15, 20 years here and look at how many banks we had in total in the U.S. to what we have now. It's something like 14,000 banks in the past 15 years is now down to 4,000. And we're losing a lot. Jamie Dimon comes out and says, uh, oh, you know, this particular phase is, is passed now that they're the auction winner at uh, First Republic. All these things are things that we've talked about. I mean, in episode nine, we had a, a special episode calling out to the FDIC and the Federal Reserve to work in concert to try to stop the failure, which is really something that is the ricochet deposit flight that we talked about that started with SVB. And we even saw, you know, the Fed a report where they came out and they, they noted four items. Obviously, they noted uh, the mismanagement at SVB, uh, and hopefully there's going to be some repercussions for those individuals. But at the same time, they pointed out regulatory failure. And today we saw, you know, a, a bank deal go south because it couldn't get regulatory approval. It <clears throat> will get approved right now. And, uh, you know, if you think about this, uh, what is this? Is this uh, going from, um, you know, a, a very small set of banks is all that's going to remain when this is done? I mean, the contagion and fear that we talked about, and this goes all the way back to our earliest episodes, I mean, this is starting to get to be real. I mean, Main Street and Wall Street are disconnected at this point, and Washington doesn't seem to understand. And we've even called out the Federal yeah. Reserve uh, and Jerome Powell. I mean, you mentioned, you know, Jerome Powell needs to fall on the sword. Another thing you said, and I'm going to remind you of it, is you said that the uh, um, debt ceiling issue was going to come to roost sooner than we thought. And here we are with Janet Yellen mentioning. I mean, who's not listening? Who's not listening to this podcast, Ray? Who, is Who should be? If they're not, right. what's happening? Well, you know, that's one of the reasons we're doing this, Alan, is trying to get the word out there the best we can. So, uh, you know, let's just keep on doing what we're doing and see if people can catch up. But look, here's what's going to happen. The, the small community banks, pretty much every bank has these issues on their balance sheet combined with the fact that our banking system was never designed for large percentages of depositors to take all their money out at the same time 
there's a certain stasis of money in, money out that's inherently assumed and built into our system. If anybody, and we're now with social media, with you know the meme stocks and you know what happened with GameStop and st- all we need now is social media influencers to all essentially collude with depositors to say we're going to short the stock. You're going to take your money out. You're going to get all your money because it's going to be 100% FDIC insured, and then you're going to make money on the back end on the short sale, and then we'll we'll tank another bank. Chase will pick it up. And we'll just go do the next one and the next one and the next one. Absolutely. The FDIC has hoodwinked us. Do you know what the the definition of hoodwink is? It's uh, to deceive or trick. And here's an example of that, you know, an attempt to hoodwink hoodwink the public. The FDIC Mm -hmm. has hoodwinked the public with this idea that we have some sort of safety in the system because they are basically like a hood robin. You know, you, you know the story of Robin Hood, right? They stole from the right. rich and they gave to the poor. Right. Here, what we have is we have Hood Robin, which is the opposite of that. We have the poor little bank that's being handed over to the big bank. And what was their real issue? Their real issue was they were just the next in line after SVB. Where does this stop, Ray? Where does it stop? Well, well look at the deal. Look at the deal that, that, that Chase got on the First Republic assets, right? And what happened to Chase stock the day after that deal was announced? They popped like over 3% because everybody understood, wow, you got some pretty incredible assets for essentially pennies on the dollar. And in the long run, your brand and your returns and your company are going to be way better off. You got a screaming deal on those First Republic assets. And that's what happened. For for not a hugely really good reason. If again, if the regulators understood what was going on, if the Fed understood, and if they coordinated their efforts to protect the banks and to protect the banking system and to protect consumers, and quite frankly, and investors as well. At this point, look, we're in an unusual time. Am I a big fan of banks and protect the banks? Heck no. Normally, you know we're at odds with each other. We're on opposite sides of the table, right? But there are times, particularly in our system, where there are pieces, there are pillars within the system that have to be there for and everything to function properly. We've got problems now because of the long period of zero rates and the very short period of steeply accelerating rates that has caused a situation that needs nothing but time to work itself out. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't it be great if somehow um, they well, were time and regulation? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't it be great if they were somehow able to go back and say, wait a minute, this whole approach that the FDIC is using isn't correct because all it leads to is more failures. And what they really need to do is they need to go back and say, hey, you know, if you had this regulatory um, oversight issue, then what you have to do is you actually have to stop the, the process that doesn't work. They failed to come in at the right time. I mean, they should have closed this bank down as soon as they found out they didn't have a risk officer, right? I mean, that was a pretty obvious thing. After the MRAs go out there, how many of those do you have to be um, issuing before somebody said, hey, you know, we're going to put them on a pause? That would have stopped this. Um, You couldn't stop then what started to happen and is going to continue to happen to other regional banks. We're going to see more failures. We called it before. 
Um, and you know, we were right. I mean, how many, how many of these banks have to leave uh, the system here and not be traded anymore? I mean, what investor, I mean, the, the investor right now kind of sounds a little bit, uh, like that clip, right? He's in the chair screaming, <laughs> right? I mean, how many banks have failed so far uh, that we, wow. you know, just this year, 23. Wow. That's amazing. Three, so, so, how many? Okay, I, I have no idea. I don't know the exact number, but I, I will say this from an investor, from an equity investor's perspective, and I we did not have this feeling a week ago. The banking se segment is way too volatile to be, in, to be involved in a long equity investment position, other than maybe two or three at the most five with Chase being at the top of that list because they when there were when there was the deposit flight they and they were by certain surveys several surveys the number one bank where depositors went some went to B of A some went to Wells you know city the, the big guys so you pick the three or four biggest banks you go along there and every single other bank that's publicly traded get the hell away from until the system figures this out but meanwhile no, you're in that you're in that chair. If you're an investor, you are the one let's be clear here. You are the one in that chair. And this is what the system's telling you. They, they're telling you, oh, is it safe or not? They can they can try to try to throw FDIC insurance at you and say, Oh, this will take all the pain away. But no, there's other stuff going on out there. So anyway, it's 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 a bit of a mess. Um all, all we can do is at this from where we're at is talk about it and see what's happening, adjust your portfolios, and, uh, you know, carry on. You know, if you look at the, the valuations of these banks, it's almost like they had uh, a stock split, you know? <laughs> it's like they split. You know, they were at yeah. least worth twice as much on just a couple months ago, right? Right. And and again, it's 100% created because of this this black hole that's been created in the balance sheet because of underwater U.S. treasuries. And, and there's a, a bit of it that's their loan portfolio. They, they did say 30-year fixed mortgages on real estate properties at whatever, let's just say 3%. You know, money costs them five now or whatever. And yeah, so they're, they, get, they, got a little, they got a little problem there. But, you know, um, most mortgages, you look at the data, 30-year mortgages don't write out to 30 years. People sell the property um something happens that they want to get some equity out of it you know th things happen it, divorces people die um etc and so a lot of those 30 year most by far majority of the 30 year fixed are settled out prior to 30 years so this issue on the bank's balance sheets you know the mortgages you got to just you got to ride that through the treasuries something can be done about that um, another one would be, I believe, similar action has happened in the past. Have the U.S. Treasury say for banks only, if you run into a liquidity problem, we will lend you, you know, Fed will lend you up to 100% of the face value, not the market value, the face value of that U.S. Treasury bond, underwater U.S. Treasury bond that's sitting on your balance sheet. So we're going to take this devaluation out of the equation on the liquidity side. There are things that can be done, but what kills me is they're not doing any of them. What the heck? They're, they're not aware. Um, you know, and when we talk about bank splits, as an example, 
Um, mm-hmm. We're not we're not talking about banana splits, you know. I mean this this is a pretty uh, this thing's crazy. It is yeah. banana. It is Alan. You are absolutely spot on. Banana splits, crazy. We were talking about this before. And Zach, are you able to? Yeah, you got it. Right on, Zach, our producer. Wow. There we go. I'll tell you, you know, I mean, that's the same thing that's happening with the banks, right? One bank, two bank, three banks, four. How many more, Ray? I mean, I mean, that that kind of looked like, uh, you know, that's the FDIC and the Federal Reserve there in their costumes. You know, they don't seem to be uh, understanding that we're not in a tra-la-la moment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They, I could, yeah. The next line was tra la 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 la. Right. Oh my God. That's a flashback for some of these older guys. Hey, for those of you who never heard of Banana Splits, man, you got to Google it. Watch a couple episodes. They were fun. Yeah. They, they did have. They did have a lot of fun on that show. Um, but but yeah. In, in seriousness, though, you're, it's absolutely right. One bank, two bank, three bank, four. I mean, how far is this going to go well, before we finally go? This is systemic within the yeah. whole system. It's it no. is it is pervasive. It's there. We, and the answer to that is 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 regular regulation. You know, reg, reg, regulators adjusting rules to get us through this situation. I don't know. Yeah, there, there needs to be money thrown at this problem as well, because I, I'll tell you something that, uh, you know, I mean, we talked about this, about how many things that we've mentioned on this podcast that are later showing up, um, you know, weeks later in the news mm-hmm. or that have been picked up by the news after we've mentioned it. Um, we talked about Sudan. We talked about how we didn't feel, yeah. um, for instance, that the uh, crisis and the biohazard was being understood or being picked up. Uh, and we also talked about how there was risk of you know pathogens being exposed into the air. We talked about how even the ceasefire probably wasn't going to hold. It didn't. We talked about uh, issues about the the, uh, the waterway that is going through there and how much. Uh, cargo is going through there and how that impacts the, the worldwide economy. We talked yep. before about how the contagion here is not just the U S it goes into uh, the rest of the world and uh, what's happening. I mean, we're falling behind because we're not taking um, our government isn't taking enough of a stance to try to fix this issue. And so, you know, you gotta, you gotta look a little bit deeper and, and kind of say what else is going on. And I'm going to mention something here that, you know, pretty soon I'll, I'll predict it right now. Pretty soon, we're going to start to hear it being talked about on the uh, the business media. And that is the largest shareholder of the regional bank. You have to look at who is the largest shareholder of the regional bank. And here's what you're going to find. Almost invariably, the largest shareholder of any of these regional banks is going to be a hedge fund. Now, we know that even in our episode nine, we talked about how the bank balance sheet actually was a derivative. We're having that being proven out, right? But here's what ends up happening. If that hedge fund starts to get their investors saying, hey, return my money, then they have to sell just like the banks have to sell to pay off the depositors. The hedge funds have to sell in order to pay back those investors who say, give me my money back. And what are they going to sell? Are they going to sell the ones that are um, doing really well? Sure, they'll do that. But what are they going to do with their holdings in the regional banks? And we're not talking about small holdings. We're talking about they might have $200 million of investments in the largest shareholder of this bank. Well, if this comes down, 
you know, just multiply the shares times the, the fall in these prices. And you know how much their hedge fund is getting dinged. By the way, some of these hedge funds actually own more than a single regional bank. In other words, you could have the same right. hedge fund actually being the largest shareholder in more than one regional bank. So sure. those hedge funds are exposed and they are probably some of the people that are selling and they're going to go ahead and sell because guess what? Sell now. And then if, for instance, there, there is the short moratorium that comes out, they'll know it way in advance and there'll be buyers and they can go ahead, sell high, right. buy low and make it better potentially. I mean, it's a risk, right. but more than likely when they sell, they're not coming back in. You know, there's, there's a lot to think about. I, I want to go back, Ray, and talk about SBB Finance Group. And I want to just go back to the positions that some of these funds had, just to kind of illustrate this. Um, and this was, you know, going back to Q3 of 22. So you could end up having changes in this as far as hedge funds goes. But uh, the data, your data source for this. That, yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, because you can go back and you can see if they did have this position. Who knows if they exited the position or if they held it. But just to give you an example, right. um, Diamond Hill Capital in SVB had 956,756 shares that are worth $320 million back at that time. So imagine a $320 million investment in SVB, which we know would be zero now. Right, if sure. they continue to hold because they would have gotten but, nothing out of that effort. But right? Let's say it's fair to say that they did not get three hundred twenty million out of it. That they probably Something ended was. up with yeah. so, somewhere between three hundred twenty million and zero. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but the thing is, is they also are the largest um, shareholder at that time, at least, of uh, Webster Financial Corporation, which you probably haven't mm -hmm. heard of. This holds WBS. Okay, they have some. Uh, at the end of the twenty-two, they had something like close to eight billion in total. Um, market cap, um, mm -hmm. and the investment they had there was worth 143 million. Um, okay, you know, so then you look at something like uh, Signature Bank, the uh, mm. the largest shareholder for them was Davis Capital Partners, had shares that were worth like 151 million. Okay, you know, so uh, you start looking at those and you go, okay, um, you take uh, Western Alliance and you see Davis Capital Partners again had 157 million Western Alliance, and we saw how they got crushed here just in the yep. last uh, couple of days, yep. right? Yep. Um, but you go to pension funds, right? I mean, the, yeah. the, this this is who, this is who's owning the, the equity in these banks. Right. No, the, the ripple effect from this is very wide throughout our system. It's not just the banks. It's not just that first tier of equity holders. Yeah. This is a big deal that I don't think they realize the full effect of what's going on here. Um, and quite frankly, who own, who else owns treasuries that now has holes in their balance sheet? This, you got to yeah. think through this thing in a, in a big right. way. It's international, right? Right. Includes international. So yeah. the, this and, issue you know is. I, I, I want to jump on one other thing about, you know, we're being told the banking system is safe and resilient, right? Mm -hmm. I, I want to mention something else that we haven't mentioned before. And it's something that uh, I have not heard anyone mention. You know, of course, you're going to hear it first on the board crisis. Credit unions. Okay. What right. is the safety of the credit union? Again, what you have is a balance sheet that has a liability to the depositor 
Um, you own a credit union, then what have you done? You've taken cash in, you're investing right. in what? In a high yield investment so that you can pay out the amount that you're paying to a credit union. There's a lot of credit unions out there. Um, and, you know, what's surprising about that is uh, we haven't heard anything about that. Yep. But the credit unions yep. can fail as well. Oh, yeah. Same, same exact model. But when you look at it from a financial modeling you know, perspective, it's the same exact issue, same balance sheet. So, um, Alan, what do we got? We're, we're coming up on our time. We're trying to keep these tight down to 30 yeah. minutes. We're coming up on our time. We got any, any other final round, round, round and third base comments to get to mm-hmm. home plate here on this episode? Well, again, you know, let's go back to talking about the impact for the listener here. What do you do to avoid crisis? Um, and I think that the very first thing you'd have to think about is that you have to really question when we're being told that the banking system is resilient. Um, and you have to really question why would you hold any excess funds in a bank, whether it is insured or not, when you have a higher return available to you than what the bank is going to pay you for any kind of excess funds. Yeah. Most people, you know, they're not necessarily going to look at any kind of cash they have as excess funds, but there's going to be other individuals out there who are going to say, wait a minute, why am I keeping any kind of uninsured deposit here in a bank? And so that that is going to ripple into even the top banks. Uh, Eventually. You should should have a tier of liquidity in your investment portfolio, no doubt. Yep. Without actually... No, you, 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 I, I do. As much as I, we're trying to wrap, I want to. There's a point you made in there that I got to jump on because you were talking about how the comments that Powell made, and you know how everything was safe and it's all looking good and so on. Read the comment section of First Republic Bank's quarterly uh, earnings statement. Yeah, we lost some depositors, but we have liquidity. We have these reserves. We have this stuff going. It didn't sound so bad well, at that time, but you go a week later, well, two weeks later, and they're gone. So yeah. beware of what these people are telling you. Do your own thinking. Remember, avoid crisis is analyze, decide, act. So take responsibility for those steps. Always great to see you, Ray. Right on, Alan. Likewise. Me too. Hey, I'm headed, I'm headed, I'm in New Orleans. I'm here to go to Jazz Fest. You can see I got my Jazz Fest shirt on. And uh, you do look yeah. a bit festive there. All right, man. Heading out. Right. We will talk to you next week. All right. Take, Take care, care, man. Avoid crisis. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.